guys, welcome to episode 19 of Color and Emotion, in which I'm going to chat about Sabbath as surrender. So basically, in the past two to five years, (laughs) I've just been going through like so much all the time, seemingly. And what happened was... All of that kind of eroded my confidence in the Lord in a specific way that like made our relationship feel a lot less delightful. And I was reading Isaiah 58 and it talks about like the Lord is in this section uh, correcting his people and their perspectives of who they think they should be and how they should worship him. And part of that has to do with Sabbath and they are commanded. And so we are commanded to call the Sabbath a delight. And what was interesting to me was lately I've just been thinking about how, like I shared in a previous episode, I think episode 17, I was talking about, um, or maybe episode 18, I don't know. Anyway, recently I was sharing thoughts about recognizing my need to let go of who I thought I should be by now and about like comparing my actual self to these idealized versions that I concoct in my head and like feeling some type of way and having all this like existential frustration about the timing of my life. And then I had another glorious revelation, which was that not only do I need to just like let go of my idea of who I should be by now, I need to let go of my idea of who I should be at all because I just time after time do not get it right. And that's why the Lord tells us to trust him with all of our heart and to not lean on our own understanding. And so the two ways in which I'm like meditating on that is like, yes, trust the Lord with all of my heart in the sense of like put all of my trust in him, but also trust him with my whole heart and stop trying to do the work of cultivation on my own self and stop trying to prune myself. And some other thoughts that I've shared in previous episodes are about like wheat and tares. Basically, there's a parable that Jesus gives about an enemy sowing tares in the same field of a farmer who has sown wheat. And tares are basically like weed type plants that like choke the life out of the crop that you're actually trying to raise. And in the parable, the farmers are like, I can't believe he did this. Like he's the worst. He sucks. Like, should we go in and snatch out the tares? And the farmer says like, no, because you might accidentally, accidentally uproot the wheat with the tares. And so basically what Jesus is communicating through this parable has a lot to do with some of his disciples, myself included, (laughs) inclination to try and like cultivate and prune the body in the garden in our own understanding as it develops. Whereas the Lord's like, no, ride it out. Like I've got a schedule. I've got a set thing, set, you know, uh, plan for things. And like, we're not equipped and we're not skilled enough to separate the tares from the wheat. And so we might accidentally, and invariably we do, uproot the wheat with the tares. And so what I've been realizing lately is that that's true, not only in the body of Christ and in like the world at large, as people are all in process and in pathway with God. And we might come into relationship with somebody or interaction with somebody who like is a week away from giving their life to Christ. And like, 
So we don't know all the things, you know what I'm saying? But then also on an individual level is what I've been realizing is like, there have been so many things that like I try to prune out of myself or like uproot out of myself in pursuit of like a specific algorithmable identity that now I'm realizing are like, oh, like that was actually the wheat. It wasn't the tear. The tear was the thing that was like growing up fastest and loudest and taking up the most space. And I was like trying to serve that by uprooting this other thing to give the, the, what turned out to be tears more space and like life and nutrients in the garden of my life, if you will. So it's been really interesting and humbling and, um, probably sounds a little bit vague. So (laughs) I can give you guys like a specific example, which is me becoming a producer of my own music in a city on the East coast, like complete actual literal geographical opposite of what I wanted to be doing because I wanted to be a lifestyle photographer on the West Coast. So I wanted to work with visual arts on the West Coast by the ocean and in a beach town. And I live in a city. Yes, the East Coast has the ocean, but we all know the Atlantic is just not the same thing. (laughs) So but and the Lord has like called me to work with sound waves, like on this podcast and with my music. My voice is anointed for this generation to proclaim his goodness and his glory as he fills the whole earth with the knowledge of his glory as waters cover the sea. And so me trying to like cultivate this life and this lifestyle brand that was like completely opposite of what I'm actually called to do is an example of what can happen when we try to separate tares and wheat and when we try to prune our own selves and sanctify ourselves even because there are also like certain things in our personalities that we might grow up around people who don't appreciate us and appreciate the way God put us together and so you know most sometimes out of love and well-meaning they might try to discourage certain parts of us from developing when in reality if if they and we would just let it develop, then it would become the actual weapon in the arsenal of God that he put it there to become. So all of that is just like a grand and glorious reminder, like I was saying, to not lean on our own understanding. And so in this episode, what I wanted to talk about was Sabbath as surrender and specifically Sabbath as surrendering the practice of leaning on our own understanding, surrendering um, this need to understand the almighty and surrendering attachment to specific outcomes and surrendering like trying to figure everything out. Because what I've realized about my relationship with the Lord in the last couple of years is that what made it most difficult and what made it the wrestling so intense was me trying to understand what he was doing in a moment, why he was allowing certain things, just trying to understand things about him that I just didn't have the capacity and still don't to understand. And when I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to (laughs) chill. Like I'm just going to vibe. You know what I mean? Because like I've done everything I know to do. And rather than continue to lament and grieve over these hard things, I'm actually going to be thankful that the Lord walked me through them because I can already see that just like it says in Deuteronomy, like he had me in the wilderness to humble me and to do me good in the end. And like I was operating in such oblivion to this incredible level of pride in my life. (laughs) 
And God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so here I am like thinking that like I'm getting it all right and firing on all cylinders. I'm just like in so much pride. And so like the Lord can't do for me what he wanted. And so like scripture says, like he waits to be gracious to us. And so I'm super thankful that he waited to be gracious to me and that he's given me just like all of this time to, to work through it, to work out my salvation with fear and trembling and to not like, there aren't shortcuts. Like I, I know it's overstated that we are like a microwave culture and generation or whatever else, but like Really, there's so much of life that just requires effort and sweat and tears and time. (laughs) You know, like we might not have that experience of our food, but somebody is sweating over our food and crying over crops and like, you know what I mean? And so just to be so far removed from that basic sustenance of life in this um, era of history, I think does a disservice to us spiritually, particularly because so much of the time, the examples and parables and metaphors that God gives us in scripture are agricultural. And it's about like everyday sustenance and like food and that kind of thing. So anyway, I don't really know where I was going with that, but that's okay. So (laughs) the other thing that I was thinking about recently was um, like collectively just the way that we... um, just like the, like I was saying, like the humility that it takes to embrace mystery and delight in the attributes of God that feel most challenging to our individual dispositions and the way that like we can experience and enjoy Sabbath by letting go of, of needing to experience God a certain way and needing to um, have like our specific outcomes be the thing that keeps us believing in the goodness of God. And so I did want to read out something in Isaiah 58 that really like convicted and encouraged me in this passage, because it is a passage in which the Lord is correcting his people's perspectives, like I said, on who they are and what it actually means to worship him, because they've gotten carried away with their own ideas. And like, I have um, an academic background in Jewish studies. And so even though like my study of that has been limited to a degree, obviously, <laughs> put him ching. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I just meant like I minored in it rather than majored in it. And then there was quite a few years where I just wasn't thinking about it at all. But one of the things that I do remember learning a lot about is all these additional like rules and laws that the leaders, the religious leaders in the Jewish nation and community tacked on to the actual law and word of God over the years. And it created like this really cumbersome experience for people that see like, what's the word? Sapped, like siphoned, like it diminished their delight in God because it felt so burdensome to try to keep all these laws and live in a legalistic way. And so God through Sabbath is actually trying to liberate people, but they're experiencing it as yet another rule and a burden because, you know, like we in our society, like if somebody's open seven days a week and we're open six days a week, unless you're Chick-fil-A, like you just feel like, oh no, like, am I going to be okay? But that's, that's what we as believers tend to, you know, regardless of how you feel about their politics lately or whatever else, like the thing about Chick-fil-A that made it work was that we are seeing with our eyes, God bless a business that is honoring him by honoring the Sabbath. And so the thing about it though, is that it doesn't look the same for everybody. And so we have to seek the Lord on what it looks like. And I think 
that like picking a day of the week and not doing and conducting business is a great place to start because that is what God communicates about the value that he places on the Sabbath is not doing our own thing, not doing our own pleasure and calling him a delight and like delighting to yield our lives and ourselves to his will and his glory and orienting ourselves around his commands, which are not actually burdensome. So anyway, in chapter 58 of Isaiah, what he says in verse nine is, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. And then it goes on to say like the benefit of of doing those things, um, which I'll get to in a minute. But for me, when I was reading it recently, I was like, oh, like this is what has preceded the relief that I felt in my relationship with the Lord, because it really was feeling for a long time like a hard marriage. And it was like, I love you, Lord, but this is not fun. Like, I feel like this is not what I signed up for. Like, when is this going to get better? You know, and what preceded me kind of having that breakthrough of like actually delighting in the Lord again was me deciding by faith to put my confidence back in his goodness and to intentionally look upon him in a way that would restore the awe and reverence that I had for him and restore my delight in him. And so some of the practical ways that I did that was recognizing like, oh, I've been spending way too much time scrolling through random arguments in Instagram comments and it's agitating me and making me like ridiculous. I've just like not been looking at God in the right way. And so I was reading, I decided to reread The Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis. And that was actually helpful too, because he has this one essay about, um, well, the whole thing is awesome. And the first essay is awesome. But towards the end, there's this, this specific essay about like the inner ring and about like the pursuit of trying to be known for being in with all the right people. And when you realize like how easy it is to fall back into that, then you realize how much of your like own (sighs) junk is a result of you feeling like you're on the outside of something awesome that's happening. But you're not because you can be in an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. And what human is is better than that? None of us. All of us are like so lame in comparison to the Lord. So just fixing my eyes back on him in that way. And then also reading The Knowledge of the Holy again by A.W. Tozer, which focuses on the attributes of God. And also reading this book called The Seven Longings of the Human Heart by Mike Bickle. And I've not even finished that one, but it was just so good because it talks about like God's heart for us. And like these longings that we have are reflections of the longings in God's heart to fulfill our longings. So I'll put those titles in the show notes. I was actually planning to talk a little bit more about that in next episode. So I will probably put them in the show notes again, but I'll add them in case you are in a season where you need to have your delight in the Lord restored, your faith and your confidence in him restored. So, um, again, what I'm getting at here is when I was reading Isaiah and the Lord talks about like what an actual fast is in his perspective and what it actually means to honor the Sabbath in his perspective, I was like, okay, I need to take away the pointing of the finger and take away speaking wickedness. And the way that I can start is by stop, like 
what is it stopping? I don't know. That's weird. Weird sentence structure. Anyway, <laughs> what I can do is stop pointing my finger at God in accusation and stop speaking wickedness by like complaining and grumbling. Like it's one thing to grieve and lament and get it off, get it out, whatever. But then you have to decide what you believe is true. Okay. And if you believe what God says about himself, then even when you start in anger and even when you start in lament, you will end up in worship and your eyes will be lifted up and you will have your joy restored. It just works that way. It's the way that we're put together in the same way that looking down at your phone and doom scrolling and seeing people argue about Palestine and Israel is going to make you irritated. Looking at God is going to give you hope and life because he has answers for everything. And he already knows all of the stuff that we're living through. And all of it is in the word. Like the more you read the Bible, the more you're like, oh yeah, this was definitely on schedule to happen. (laughs) So I'm kind of not surprised. And I can have confidence in the Lord of like what the outcome is going to be. So in addition to that, I've mentioned before that contextualizing my relationship with God um, as a relationship helps me navigate discipleship in practical ways. So um, I guess another example slash resource that I'll plug here is, <laughs> um, dang, I lost my train of thought, so maybe I won't. Anyway, it's just like realizing that you're in a relationship with the Lord, like it's a relationship. And so if you get stuck, think about what it would be like in an actual relationship. Oh, I just remember what I was going to say. So for example, there's this song that came out a while back and I really liked it, but every time I listened to it and it's like categorized as a worship song, but I just felt the Lord's displeasure, like It's weird to describe, but like when you're actually worshiping the Lord and you have a relationship with him and you're filled with the spirit, like you're communing with him. And so you experience his response to your worship and it wasn't what it usually is. And so I was like, Lord, why don't you like this song? And it was kind of like, he was like, well, I mean, you can listen to it if you want to, but it's a soul song. It's not a song from somebody's spirit. It's a, it's, that's why like I liked it so much. It was like comforting to my soul, which is fine, but it's important to maintain that distinction of like, are you nourishing and comforting your soul or are you actually worshiping God? Because it's two different things. And the thing is in the song, it starts out with about like this line about how the person's not satisfied. And I get it because, you know, we're called to continually pursue God and to want more and more of him. And it, and it's not meant to be like a semantic critique, but I started to think about all of the popular songs where like people are desperate and people can't move on and they can't breathe and we just need more of God and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, if this, if you think about it in, in terms of it being a relationship, like at what point would your partner get tired of you expressing that you're not satisfied with them? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like there's a way to say like you want more of somebody, but if you're constantly expressing dissatisfaction, like something is off. And so in response to that, I was thinking about Psalm 90 that, that is a prayer asking the Lord to satisfy us in the morning with his steadfast love. And I really appreciated how I was at a church for a little while, well, like three years, where the pastor would always pray that over the singles specifically, that we would be satisfied in the morning by God's unfailing love. And so that was like being prayed over me weekly. And it was Psalm 90 is one of my favorite passages of scripture anyway. And so it was just like a meditation of my heart. And so I wrote my song which is called Morning Song, and the parenthetical title of that is Greatly Loved, partially in response to the Lord expressing his want for somebody to sing about actually 
experiencing satisfaction in him. And then also the parenthetical title comes from Daniel chapter 10, verse 11, where Daniel is addressed as being greatly loved. So yeah, I guess I can put just, if you're interested in hearing the song that I wrote, I'll put that in the show notes. But anyway, the point is that there are ways in which we can approach our relationship with the Lord and our discipleship um, to where we intentionally um, seek God, obviously, (laughs) but in like embracing humility and in deciding to honor and be excited about the different attributes of him that we sometimes find challenging, then it can pull us into deeper delight in the personhood of God and increase like our awe and reverence of him because we don't completely understand him. And so again, like contextualizing relationship with God as like a relationship, just think about how attractive we tend to find people who are unpretentiously mysterious, right? Like, and so that can be our response to the attributes of God. Like we can actually find it appealing that he's so mysterious and that we can't completely figure him out rather than being existentially frustrated by it and letting that limitation and lack of understanding, um, bring us to a place of accusation against him. So, All that to say that the Sabbath and experiencing Sabbath and God's idea of Sabbath requires of us humility and it's a good thing, (laughs) you know, like we, we might as well just be humble because we don't have it together and without him, we aren't anything. So just like kicking against the goad, as scripture says, it's like, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of breath. It's a waste of energy. There are going to be seasons where we have to wrestle with God, but we should never, do it out of pride. Like we should always do it in humility and it's a journey. I don't have it all figured out. I'm sure two years from now I'll be like, dang, I had still had a lot of pride chalked in there, you know? Um, but in the meantime, and to kind of leave you with a thought that I plan to expound upon in my next episode, we can like Jesus rather than be rather than retaliate when we are reviled, we can entrust ourselves to God who judges justly. And the ability to do that requires us to put confidence in him. And the confidence has to come from somewhere. And what I'm finding in my life is that the confidence comes from reverence and awe and delight in his personhood. So that's like yet another reason why we have to keep the word in us and before us because it tells us the truth about God. And when we really spend enough time to digest that, then it will inspire awe in us. And um, it'll bring us to this place of reverence and awe and humility. And that it will help us to see that, oh, I need to put my trust in this God that is strong, you know, and that confidence will lead us to a place of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And without strength, we will not be able to endure. So... That is this episode. I hope you guys will join me for the next episode where I talk more about this whole uh, progression, I guess, uh, about like confidence to joy, to strength, to endurance. Take heart, guys. I will chat to you soon.